Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast for film fans by film fans. Every episode, we look at films old and new to choose what should be preserved for all time in our movie vault. With lively topics, big questions, and crazy challenges to entertain us and our guests, we always look to have fun by giving you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a preview of what to expect in today's episode. Like the the, the the angel and the devil, where they were definitely bringing in more of David Walliams' queer coding for, like, the good angel. Like, f*** off with that shit. I'm sorry. Also, just, can we talk about the man dressed as a sausage in the dream? Can we just have that more in, in podcasts or films? Can we please talk about the man dressed as a sausage? <laughs> like, what are we watching? I was genuinely losing the plot at this point. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not entertained? I- Welcome to our 50th episode of Well Good Movies. It's great to have everyone listening and we've got a fantastic show for you today. I am your host, David Osger, and this is the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. The very, very well-titled Well Good Movies. So I am your host, David Osger. I am joined as ever by my co-host, the lover of the Wilhelm scream, the master of cynicism, our very own Terence Fletcher. It's Greg McDonald. All right, <laughs> Craig, how are you today? <laughs> I'm. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit hungover. <laughs> like yesterday, I watched the movie we're discussing today, and then I went on a massive all-night bender because i was just like i i need to erase the memories uh it's resulted in this uh which is oh. uncharacteristic for me what color is that uh one half is purple the other half is gold oh lovely um, yeah uh yeah so for those at home i got my nails painted um i don't know how to get rid of it because uh i'm incompetent so yeah that's Nail gonna be remover is like 25p <laughs> Yeah, thanks for ruining the joke of... (laughs) (laughs) Craig just wants to have an excuse to keep it on his hands. So, welcome to our 50th episode. This is our uh, 50th main episode, one of our topical episodes. We have, of course, in the past had uh, celebrational bonus episodes and endgame bonus episodes. But this is our 50th episode in which we get to talk about the real topics and the real movies, such as Pudsey the Dog, the movie, uh, which we will be discussing today. Uh, thanks to uh, one of our guests who has joined us uh, today. So this was uh, a punishment from one of those uh, aforementioned Endgame specials. But uh, Punishment is a damn understatement, I swear <laughs> to God. I meant as a reward, guys. What are you talking about? 
But yeah, we thought this would be a fantastic chance to uh, get together some of our favorite guests, some of our, you know, favorite moments. We've got like questions from uh, our other guests and listeners as well. So we're going to have a real fun time today. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite bad movies and especially our main film, which we're talking about. It's Pudsy the Dog, the movie. Before we start, I just want to, Craig, can you just give, for people who don't know, if there's anybody who doesn't know, what is the context behind this? Why are we talking about Pudsy the Dog, the movie? Right. So for those of you who aren't aware, I want you to think of this as, as an, a, a perfect analogy. Imagine that imagine that kid at school that was in class with you who, no matter what, would always beat you. And like they would always get like the top grades of the class. They would always get like the best role in the school play. They would always just be seen as better than you. Right now, imagine all of that took place on national television. Right. And imagine that that person was a dog. That's basically the context of this situation. So I was in Britain's Got Talent the same year as this dog, the dancing dog act, uh, Ashley and Pudsey. We came third. Ashley and Pudsey won. They were the first dancing dog act to win. So obviously I've had to live, bear in mind most of my friends at the time were comedians in the performer circuit. They obviously relished at the idea, because they did not like reality television, that I lost a national competition to a freaking dog. And obviously this dog then went on to make a movie, which I think is, again, if like if you have to like see the Kevin Punts of the world or whatever, just like going on to like Hollywood, that stings a little bit more. What stings even more is that my good friend of like, I think about like nine years at this point, who's been torturing me with this information for one year for a Christmas secret Santa bought me teaching old dogs new tricks, then finally made me watch it despite the fact I've been able to put off seeing this film for seven years. And, and now I've had to see it despite not wanting to. And I'm horrified. I'm genuinely horrified. Thanks, Ed. We often say on the podcast about the movies worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. And uh, yeah, this could be definitely considered a dud. When I was sort of introducing it to uh, everybody, I kind of used the Rotten Tomatoes score of just 0% and like 51% uh, audience score. So, yeah, that's what yeah. that's what worries me more, that technically there's like oh, slightly over half of the public, uh, of the general public, who thought this film was okay. What the hell is wrong with you people? But famously, the general public can't be trusted because like 50% of them voted for Brexit. Like, True. My true. friend said to me, the Facebook page has like 954 likes. <laughs> and he said, that's not a lot of likes, but that's still a lot of psychopaths. So, um... All I'm thinking now is, does this mean 49% of people hate Pudsey the movie? And, like, people who voted remain, like, hate Pudsey the movie? And, like, I don't know, I'm just thinking all about... I... Honestly, if that's good, if that's going to be the grouping association, that just makes a lot of sense in my mind. Apart from that rogue 1% somewhere. <laughs> Let's uh, start off with a bang, shall we? Woo! <laughs> well, I'm going to go now to our guests. So I've got uh, some special questions lined up for our guests as well, just to give everyone at home, if you haven't heard them in previous episodes, a bit of a glimpse as to what they're 
what they're like as a film fan. Um, I can assure you, I don't think there's anybody we've got for this particular episode who was like, ah, they're an expert on pudsy or dogs. <laughs> but they're just somebody who was willing to go through the, the rigmarole of this film, or they challenged us to watch it uh, in one guest's case. So that guest is, uh, he's a master of quizzes, but also the orchestrator of the madness that we are witnessing today. So it is Ed Mason. Hello. Hey. Hey. Everyone very reluctantly clapping me then, okay. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, boo. <laughs> so, Ed, uh, my question to you is, what is the most disturbing film scene you've ever seen? And it can't be from Pudsey the dog, the movie. <laughs> I, I was about to say, possibly nearly supplanted by half of the film of Pudsey. But uh, <laughs> I think before then, probably just anything where it's like self-mutilation. So the two that came to mind was like 127 hours where... You know, he's got his arm trapped in a boulder and he eventually at the end has to sort through his arm. Uh, and you've also got like Gerald's game where she's like handcuffed to the bed and realizes yeah. that she has to get her hand out of the handcuffs using a knife. So, so yeah, just visually seeing all that. And in the 127 hours, they sort of have audio just to sort of go, oh, look, they're going through nerves. Clash, 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 cling, cling. So, yeah, that, that's that's not fun. Ed, yeah. you're not a fan of the Saw films, though. Oh, yeah, but that's 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 just gore. Like you know, you know, you know what you're getting with that. Like that—that's fine. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. Torture porn. <laughs> that, <that's, laughs> yeah, no, I didn't think of like 127 hours. So, yeah, it's pretty much like yeah, a very long, <laughs> disturbing scene. So yeah, it's good choice there. Uh, we now go to our next guest, who is a performer and entertainer, and joined us for our Who Done It special of murder mystery films. It is Paul Cornish. Yay! Hello. <laughs> Paul, it's been a while. Uh, it has time. been a while, yes. Yeah. So even though we did hear you before Christmas, there were, you did help us a bit with some a bit of connections you made with your your friend in the North Pole as well. The last time. Oh yeah, Paul. Santa. Yeah, yeah. He's busy working on something for next year. He might be a little bit. Uh, he might be a little bit more crude next year. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. He might be a little bit more um, adult based. He's thought over the years that he's done enough stuff for kids, <laughs> and uh, he's going to do some stuff for adults this year. So. Um, and just like that, you've already got. Lucy's attention. <laughs> you know what, sorry, Craig. I said just like that. You've already got Lucy's attention. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. Smutty Santa. <laughs> so many of our <laughs> guests are just like, yes, yeah. This sounds like my jam. So, uh, Paul, your question is: What is your favorite ever movie performance? Lassie, definitely. Oh, well, we're going with the dog theme. No, 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 no. Um, right, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis, Lincoln, definitely, without oh. a shadow of anything that Daniel Day-Lewis does. I just love his love his style, love his technique, and uh, I love his attitude in life. In all honesty, you know, he can take it or take it or leave it. He'll he'll do a film and then he'll go away and become a cobbler for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, yeah, great performer, uh, you know, great actor, and like I said, is one of one of the greats, as many people have mentioned before, Oscar winning. So a good choice there. So thank you, Paul, for joining us. We now go to our next guest. He is a actor and lover of the 80s. It is Christopher Maxwell. Woo! Uh, 
Thank you. I will, I will prep. I will say this. I'm a lover of 80s film. The 80s generally wasn't the best time. <laughs> I, I was going to say, is does Chris also love, you know, like Bananarama? And <laughs> like, <but I> mean, <laughs> you know, when people say they love the 80s, they, they, they always sort of go, oh, entertainment. Everything else was, you know, pretty awful by, yeah. by and large. <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting thing about Wonder Woman 1984 is just like all this like, 80s vibes going on but like oh wait it was a horrible time in the world so it's hard to feel positive in those uh period films i guess but uh chris last i believe last time you joined us you also had some suffering involved with uh end of the world movies disaster films potentially we have now topped 2012 in terms of your <laughs> you having to go through horrible ordeals of films you watch for this podcast <laughs> it uh uh, do you know what? I, I would rather watch 2012 than what I watched. I watched Pudsey's. <laughs> we aren't assuming I'll say that much. Uh, I, oh, good lord! No. So, Chris, your question is, and you know, obviously, again, because you love 80s movies, what is your favourite dumb movie line? I always think that's quite a hard one to ask because I, it, it, it's it's either one that I that it's dumb but I love it or it's dumb and because I hate it so much I have to put it up there. I think like, oh god, it, 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 the one that comes to mind and it's on, and I suppose it might just be recency bias, but I genuinely think it's probably one of the best lines. It's it's from Tenet and it's don't try to understand it, just feel it. And the reason I think it's the best is because it's it's just it's literally just uh, Christopher Nolan just going shut up like it <laughs> shut up shut up this is mine this is my film shut up and like it because uh, I I have some feelings on that film but genuinely that it it is it is a perfect example of a writer just going deal with it mate <laughs> and I'm just True. thinking the brass balls on someone to write a, a line of dialogue like that. True, true. What about the likes of, again, like going back to the 80s, Arnie, Nicolas Cage? Is there, is there one which you can give us a rendition of that comes to mind? I mean, I've, I always love I'll Be Back is timeless. Yeah. But in, if, if I was going to say a great one, it's from Terminator. It's probably Kyle Reese when he's got Sarah in the car. And he's, what is it? He's like, um, that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or fear or remorse. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. And I'm like, did you plan that when you were traveling through time? <laughs> he's like, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound great. <laughs> yeah, well, some great lines there and some, yeah, very, uh, very dumb one. You know, Tenant is, yeah, one a film you have to take with a, a pinch of salt. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, Chris. So uh, over to our final guest, which is uh, last but not least, it is drag queen and horror fanatic Lucy Fu. Yay! So, Lucy, uh, we're talking about how we've been tortured with Pudsey the Dog, the movie. We talked before we started recording that uh, you sort of punished us with uh, Fifty Shades. But, uh, yeah, w which is worse? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, ugh, Pudsey, arguably... <laughs> It literally like triggered my flight or fight response. It's a, a genuinely one of the worst things I've ever seen. And not in like, I love bad films. You guys know this. I really love bad films. But like this is just like, there's no redeeming quality. Like that that dog deserves the death penalty, honestly. Oh, wow. Well, 
<laughs> bit too late for that. Yeah, good is news. It, or is he dead? <laughs> it's died. Yes. Yeah, Patsy died. Oh, Patsy yes. died. Thank oh, God. No. Patsy oh. died a couple of years ago. Good. It's what he deserved. I know. Keep that in mind when we're talking today. I, I hope it was really, I hope it lasted ages. I hope oh. the dog suffered, honestly. That's really crazy. It wasn't him that actually decided to make the film. <laughs> what I love is that I'm undoubtedly going to be the angriest about this film because unlike all of you, I've met the dog. I'm not the one ever wishing death on the dog. You should have killed the dog when you had no. the chance. I mean, I once I once hosted a debate, which was the topic of this house's Craig would kill the dog. Um, <laughs> thankfully, the opposition won. Yeah, I, I could just imagine Craig just there as like one of those like sinister villains, but like, you know, it was all like looks innocent on the outside, just there with some like Cadbury's buttons, just there like, oh, good dog. And they're like, is that chocolate? You're like, no, 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 it's dog chocolate, it's dog chocolate. And then just walks away like, hey, hey. Yeah, Craig's got that sort of, you've got that canine look going on, Craig. <laughs> you, you, you have, is that what it is? Because you felt upstaged by this mutt. That you I will kill the dog and then replace them, it. join them. <laughs> I will replace the dog. I will what do the dancers. I think what were you genuine... doing? Like when what? on Britain's what do you mean? Talent, what was what I was, doing? What was your talent? I was in the male voice choir. What? It was like 150 of us, or 133. Only boys allowed. Oh, do you know Russell then? Yeah, I know Russell. He used to go out with my friend. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not discuss the dynamic. <laughs> Full disclaimer, anything that I say in this podcast is not the official view of Only Boys Allowed. I've not been in that choir for some time now. These are obviously my own opinions. That said, I did have various members of the choir when I was in it at the time reach out to me when they find out I was doing this episode. Mostly just to say, what the f*** are you doing? I'm still halfway through Lucy's introduction. So Lucy, <laughs> your film question is, what is the most hilarious scene you've ever seen in a film? I don't find funny films <laughs> I don't no. find funny things funny because I'm... This is why I asked you that question, because I pretty much bet that it's going to be something that shouldn't be funny or is just, like, horrifically bad. So, like, I find horror films quite funny. But, like, have you ever seen August Osage County with Meryl Streep? Uh, and... Vaguely, yeah, I vaguely remember it. Yeah. There's this scene in it where Meryl Streep's a uh, prescription painkiller addict and her daughter is played by uh, Julia Roberts and Meryl Streep, and they're all Southern, it's brilliant. Um, it's very well-written, it's, it's based on a play. And Meryl Streep's character is like, I wish everyone could be honest, and she's just having a go at everyone. And <laughs> Julia Roberts' character is just like, no, that's it, I've had enough of you, and just gets up and just starts shaking her and like wrestles her to the ground and everyone's screaming. It's in the middle of a family dinner, it's so chaotic. Um, and then she's like, I am in charge. You are not in charge. I am in charge. We are the dogs. And it is so brilliant and funny. And it's like really good acting. It's not like ridiculous or like it's really well done. And I just sit there pissing myself every time. So I'm like, oh, this is so funny. Like, I want that for me. I want someone to like address my drug problem, wrestle me to the ground or just scream in my face that I'm not in charge. But no one's got the heart or physical strength to do it because I am six foot. Right. Well, uh, we'll be talking about sort of more bad moments. We'll have obviously like our questions from uh, previous guests and listeners as well. And I thought that 
you know, we'll give some congratulations as well to previous guests. And this is why I'm bringing in this question first, because one, it does tie in quite well to what we're talking about. So our first question comes from your fellow guest on the disaster episode, uh, Chris, uh, Kieran Williams, who could not be here today as much as he wanted to be because he's had a baby. So congratulations to Kieran and his partner on having a baby girl. So... Congratulations from all of us at Well Good Movies, Kieran. And his question, so I kind of throw this out to everyone because I think this will be a good sort of, you know, line for us to go from in terms of when we're talking about Pudsey, uh, the dog, the movie. But you can't choose that as the answer. And his question is, what's the best film you never want to watch again? Paul, I'll go to you first. What's the best film you never want to watch again? Oh, Lord, you've chucked that at me now. Um, I suppose that could still be a good film, but, you know, because there are some, like, really, like, rough ride films that just, you know, you're like, I couldn't watch that again because it was just too, you know, dramatic or sad or, but, you know, it could also be on the opposite end. Well, I've only ever actually turned one film off and gone, oh, this isn't really worth my time. And that was actually Tenet. Oh, <laughs> this film keeps turning up. I started to watch it. I watched the trailer and I thought, this looks brilliant. Just up me street, bit of thinking involved, uh, uh, a little bit of time travel or something a little bit different. And I started to watch it and perhaps it would have been different if I watched it right through to the very end. But I just went, oh, my Lord, I can't. Be- no, no, just just I just turned it off. So you didn't you didn't actually get to the reveal then, I guess, Paul. No, was it worth it, Craig? So I think you can only really judge it once you've actually seen the reveal and what they're actually going for to judge it as a full picture. I personally think that the reveal tips it to the right side of watchable for me. But you're still not sure, though, are you? I'm still not sure, no. Because, like, I tried explaining it. I tried explaining it to a physicist friend of mine. She kind of looked at me as if she wanted to punch me. <laughs> that was the first film that I watched in the cinema last year when they opened up cinemas after lockdown. And I personally felt oh. like I was spat in my face. I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Nolan just came along, like, in your cinema screening, along with Tom Cruise. <laughs> I didn't actually like Lord of the Rings. <gasps> I didn't, and I went. I went to watch Lord of the Rings in Swansea with a cinematographer and, uh, and a focus puller, and they both fell asleep before the end. Right, and I just well, I couldn't read Tolkien books when I was a child. Because they were just too descriptive. They couldn't just say they went into a forest. No, they went into a forest. There were green leaves and trees. And the trees were brown. The leaves were green. And the forest was thick. And there's like 10 or 12 pages just describing a tree. Can't be doing with it. And I went there. I didn't know anything about Tolkien whatsoever. Well, I I, I knew the premise of it, obviously. And uh, I was thinking, oh, this is going to come to some kind of conclusion. They were doing this. They were doing that. There was battles. There was fights and everything. And then at the end, it was, right, we've got the ring on we go and it was like what that that wasn't uh, an ending so no not a big fan of Tolkien I'm afraid but that's just yeah that's that's just me I've heard there are a few Tolkien fans out there oh definitely yeah if you watch the credits of the films usually there's quite a big list of them the fan base that helps make the films as well but uh yeah definitely a hot take there if I was gonna have to say I, I there probably isn't a single film but it is mostly like ordeal films where it's torture or punishment like even some of those like classic 80s uh video nasties 
that were like some some of them which are like proper gruesome where you watch them and you do sort of come away and you think oh did i just watch something i shouldn't have watched those are the sorts of things where you're like i think i cannot do that again you know uh, um but if but on the complete flip side of it there is one film i think i could say to that and it's endgame because i did enjoy it but i also came out of it being like there was so much of that i didn't like but at the same time i actually i did think it was a great film and i think a part of me is like if i watch that again i'm gonna pull it to pieces and i'm gonna hate it the second time around because i kind of want to preserve the the fun point and i also i do i do think it was quite a nice ending so for me, like if I watch it again, I think I'll come away from it be like, no, 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 I, I can't, I, I don't like it anymore, and it'll, it'll undo the joy I felt. Yeah. Because I know, even in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, there's so many things about this film I'm not that keen on, but I still liked it. And I think if, because if I've done it before with films, I've gone back and rewatched them, and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? And now, now I don't like it as much. Yeah, I think Endgame is the film. It's it's a film that I liked no has problems but if i watch it again i'll just i'll spoil the whole thing for myself and i don't want to spoil it but equally i've i think everyone's probably rewatched it i've rewatched the portal scene thousands of times oh, i've yeah. probably watched that scene enough to fill the entire runtime of the entire mm. movie <laughs> but i can't watch the rest of it because there's some parts of that film i just i was just like i wasn't too keen on it we're, we're full of hot takes on this episode. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Endgame. So, yeah, some great choices there. Uh, Kieran also has a bit of film trivia for us. So um, I've asked uh, fellow guests as well to give us some of their favorite film trivia. And again, going on the, you know, the vibe of the 80s, he said that Sylvester Stallone only took the main role in terrible 80s movie Stop or My Mum Will Shoot because Arnie veined interest in the part during a time the duo had something of a rivalry. Which is, yeah, very interesting because you do often think about those two. Like, you know, oh, is this the film with Arnie or Stallone? You have yeah, reminded that. me of a recent uh, Sylvester Stallone fact, which I think is really fascinating. He has now starred in the top grossing movie of a year in five consecutive decades. So you've got, you've got like several of the Rocky films. You've also got The Expendables and now Suicide Squad. So we'll now go to our Can main... Can we just dis- talk about that instead? Like... <laughs> <laughs> He's never straight. This is great. Oh my own with nobody to bother me. Far from the city. What's going on over there? Leave him alone. Hey, bullies. What a brave dog. We should at least give him something as a thank you. Great idea. Sausages. This has to be worth at least one sausage. Can we keep him? But now he's moved. Welcome to season M Farm. Mr. Thorne? Yes? I dress for comfort. Creepy. I don't think he likes dogs. To the funny farm. Ken, you are not a chicken. I am. I laid an egg. That's not an egg. No. I'm getting sick. Finally, lost my appetite. I mean, it's just so self-evidently a film where it's like a vehicle for, hey, look, Pudsey can dance. Isn't that fun? Isn't it good? And like, so I got like a whole A5 sheets of non sequiturs, which don't make any sense, given that they, you know, they've got a film and then, you know, they're, they're just inserting Pudsy dancing, right? 
So <laughs> here are six non sequiturs. One, the entire section of the beginning of the film where they're in London for some reason. Like, it, given that in five minutes they're already packing off to the countryside, why do they have the opening credits? Like, be, oh, look, here are all the tour. Like, basically, the opening credits are the tourist highlights of London, right? If you're a tourist going to London, that's 99% of what you'll see apart from your hotel, possibly. So, why, why have they bothered with all that and like set it up as if this film is going to be in London and then inside two minutes just off to the countryside? I don't understand. Uh, then secondly, like, before they go to the countryside, they decide they're going to, like, the, the family don't want Pudsey because they're just moving and they've got a whole new place, place to move into and everything. So they give them to give, give, give Pudsey to a woman who turns out to, 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 to be a bit crazy or not, not you know, you know, dressing up her dogs and putting them in tutus and uh, giving them pink nails or whatever it was that she does. And then so Pudsey has to run away. Like, why bother with that? Just, just, just have him shoo away and then he ends up in the van of his own accord. Then you've got like, I, I think possibly this is the, the mo, 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 most weirdest part was when they're when, when they're in the the prison and they're escaping from there and like he's explaining what's going on and it's like right okay so we need a a, a digging team and a, and a dancing team and they go dogs can't dance and instead of just doing what he's done all the film so far which is well, yeah I can dance and then go on his hind legs and move around and then that convinces everyone else. No, no, they've got to have a whole dance number and a rap and a new rap and uh, strobe lighting in the plastic tube that he's in just for, you know, the, the full, like if you've gone TV tropes, there's a, a big-lipped alligator, alligator moment sort of concept. Right? That is the big-lipped alligator moment of the film, possibly. It just makes absolutely no sense what's going on there. At the end, they decide to shoehorn in villain motivations for hating dogs. They decide to shoehorn in that the village, the, the villain and the farmer are brothers. And the the pig that decided that thought he was a chicken actually lays an egg in the final seconds of the film. So either there's magic in this film, or he's a complete liar as well as delusional about his ability to lay eggs, and that wasn't foreshadowed at all. I doubt the, the eh, someone else. Well, for those who don't know about you know Pudsey the dog the movie, and the bit that makes me laugh is that on like IMDb, it isn't even like worthy of like a synopsis. Um, but you can tell that like the film company has like written the synopsis for this film, uh, which doesn't even actually describe the plot in like the correct way. But yeah, this this was released in 2014. As Craig said earlier, you know, it's a dog, the one Britain's Got Talent. Uh, the cast is Pudsey as himself, <laughs> uh, David Walliams as the voice of Pudsey. You got Jessica Hines as Gail. And then you got John Sessions as just credited as thorn <laughs> it, might, it might be second only to movie 43 for like the greatest disparity between star power and quality of the film like, <laughs> olivia yeah. coleman's in it yeah yeah don't give craig like movie 43 flashbacks as well he's gone through enough yeah you've got like a bunch of like other younger actors in this as well you've also of course shoehorn in amanda holden with a voice uh, Lorraine Kelly has a voice in this for some unknown reason. Yeah, Olivia Coleman is Nelly the horse. Like, Oscar-winning actress Olivia Coleman is in Pudsey the Dog the movie. So, once again, kind of like, you know, the whole um, Eddie Redmayne being in Jupiter Ascending. This all like, what are they doing in this? So, uh, yeah, that that's the cast. Uh, directed by... Uh, directed? What? Directed by Nick Moore, uh, written by Paul Rose, um, though I guess that you could have just filled those in with any names. <laughs> and then the weird synopsis that they've uh, given this, if you want to run down the movie, is a heartwarming, quintessentially British adventure for all the family. Pudsey the dog follows 
cheeky London stray dog, Pudsy, who is quite happy being a lone ranger. Is he? <laughs> Looking out for number one until he meets siblings Molly, George, and Tommy. After losing their father, their mother Gail is moving the family to the sleepy village of Chuffington. Sounds like out of Thomas the Tank Engine. And Pudsy tags along to the dismay of their landlord, Mr. Thorne, and his cat, Faustus. As Pudsy starts to settle in with the family and realize what he was missing when he was alone, he stumbles across Thorne's evil plan and he determines to save them and the whole village. I'll go to you next, Paul, uh, just because again, uh, earlier, you know, you had your hot takes with the, the likes of Lord of the Rings and also, you know, you didn't take kindly to the idea of the, it wasn't the dog's fault. So so what's your opinion on Pudsy the dog, the movie? I think you're all a bunch of film snobs. <laughs> I think we're missing the point here. I think the film was aimed at children, <laughs> you know, and uh, and children do like this type of thing. I mean, on Amazon, it's got 4.5 rating. I mean, what more can you say? And any film that can teach you how to completely renovate a house, put new windows in and everything in 30 seconds with a mop and a brush, fantastic. No, I, I, I play. To that point, I will say that it does just prove that child labour works because they did a they did a banging good job on that house. They really did, <laughs> especially with the vacuum cleaner that works in reverse. <laughs> yeah, and and how 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 the dog can actually he must have learned to talk without moving his mouth when he's with humans, but then when he's with other animals, then all of a sudden his his mouth will, amazing. No, it's it's absolutely. Uh, it's one of the best films I've ever seen. <laughs> no one's. I'm serious. <laughs> Ironically, I think as well, like you are right, it's got four and a half stars, but I don't know again if this is just the film company is like meddled with something, but they claimed that to ha that have beef. Oh no, to be fair, does say IMDb 2.6. So yeah, IMDb is giving it like 2.6 out of 10. But yeah, uh, obviously, Amazon customers are very happy, 228 of them. Uh, in that uh, they've given it four and a half stars. I actually mentioned this film in work and oh. they all went, wow, yeah, we love that film. <laughs> <laughs> well, they love it. They love it, Craig. I understand everybody's entitled to opinion, Craig, and, you know, but you're not always right. Do you work in a secure unit? <laughs> I work in a nursery. <laughs> To be fair, the Amazon reviews, we don't often do this, but, you know, we've got... <laughs> not that Amazon reviews can be very uh, trusted sometimes, but, like, our daughter loves this DVD. She lost her original one, and so I had to buy another. <laughs> like, <laughs> are we sure that the, this seems like such a, like, I made the purchase again? <laughs> it's like one of those uh, shifty Amazon reviews. My 10-year-old son loves going to the cinema, but we missed this film. The DVD arrived quickly, and it was well packaged. <laughs> this sounds very suspect. Yeah, none of of these are reviews of the film. Yeah, yes, but when you look at the production values, Craig, when you look at what the, the, the crew production and everything would have had to go through, don't work with animals, don't work with children, you know, they, they, it's not the same when you're working with a human coming in. Can you just come in and do that? They'd have to do it take after take after take after take, you know, just just to get that dog right and everything. Oh, I, the, the sacrifices they must have made for this film. Yeah, and the sacrifice of my sanity having to be sat here right now. We've also got another verified purchase, which is from Mr. Bear, 
which is called, uh, they've titled the review, In the Doghouse, Three Stars. It was a good film, but personally, I didn't think the voice of Pudsey really suited him. Is this like Simon Cowell or something? <laughs> uh, we've also got Happy Nephews in all caps with A++++ from J.M. Savage. Really? Come on. So, uh, yeah, we also have Cutest Dogs, Nice Scenery, Simple Plot, Goodies and Baddies, Worth a Watch. Well, that just sums it all up, doesn't it? No. It was. You're all overthinking it. I was going to say, did you say that reviewer was called Mr. Bear? Yes. Is that the nickname that uh, Thorne has for himself when he's in that weird costume? <laughs> that bit genuinely... Ki- I thought she was going to walk in on him sucking someone off in a suit like in The Shining. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Like, oh. I did write down, please don't be a cat costume when you saw his silhouette and when he walked down the stairs, I was like, oh, it is a cat costume. Oh, no. I watched it this afternoon. Uh, I was out last night on a works do, so I was a bit hungover. But I thought, you know what? It's only 90 minutes. I can get through it. My first note is this. Oh, the dog's voice. And then I was like, that's David Walliams? I was, oh my God. And like that scene where they're on set and then everyone goes, everyone's trying to get the dog and everyone is just a complete idiot. They just keep walking around tearing the set down. And then he's like, the dog gets fired and told his career is over. And the dog's just like, okay. And just leaves onto another adventure. It's like, mate, that's no. <laughs> if that any anyone else had that, they'd be like, oh, mate, my career's over. I've I've just destroyed a, this period drama set. And Doc Pudsey, no, I'm just off for another adventure. And then the theme tune kicks in. That auto tune mess. I, oh, it made me sick. I was so mad. And like, it was done by Jed Wood. Was it really? Oh, that no. does not make it better. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That would make it better for me, personally, but... Yeah, no. but Chris, you didn't give it a fair crack of the whip, did you, Chris? You went out, you had a drink in the night, you said yourself you weren't feeling very well. You didn't give the film a good crack of the whip, did you? No. I watched it. That is as fair a crack of the whip as I will give any film. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even watch the whole thing. I stopped. I, yeah. I got fed up I watched it. it. I waited till the credits started rolling, at which point I, I quickly turned off my PlayStation and stropped into my uh, into the bedroom to get on to get ready for the Zoom call. Um, Chris, that's like... so disrespectful to everybody that, <laughs> that that made this film. That is so disrespectful. You've gone down in my estimations. I'm sorry. Right. You want to know something about this? As, as, as an actor, the scene on the bus with the school kids, their acting was so wooden, they could literally build an ark so God could flood the world again. <laughs> I... Those children and like the seat, and, and the, the, I love that. Like the kid bully, the kid bully, he gives him a very impressive wedgie, and then the dog assaults a child. I'm thinking, well, that dog's getting put down now. Like, <laughs> I don't think it was a wedgie. Was I think it was his, his t-shirts, wasn't it? They wanted to have a wedgie, but just did as a prop. I think just we're like, we can't actually wedgie this child, so we'll just tie something around him. But in, in terms of the production values, though, I'm like with Chris as well. It's like you know, there's the acting as well, but just the fact that. Because I was watching it thinking, well, you know, there's very successful children's shows and like TV movies and stuff, which can at least get by because there's some form of creativity there. Or like you would think there's so many potential filmmakers out there. There's so many people who can't get into the industry or like, oh, it's, you know, it's a closed off industry. Like just choose one of them just to at least like make it look pretty or something. Because there's like times in this film where like 
there's like the um i don't know one of the neighbors is talking to like the daughter and it's just like just a stable shot the entire time she just walks into shot like oh i'm feeling bad and she's like oh why is that and like the camera just doesn't move doesn't go to a close-up or anything and there's even like a moment where the farmer which like of course has like the thick country accent is like looking into the camera where they do that kind of like perspective thing of him and thorn and i'm like that's like 101 like you don't look into the camera what are you doing that farmer was creepy too when he first meets them and he's just like you're either lost or you're the wilson family i was like oh you're creepy mate <laughs> i did like the fact that it was showing you can have a, a relationship at any age because the daughter was probably round about 14 but the the actual her boyfriend or her would-be boyfriend was probably about 24 25 i would well, say i looked into this as well because i was disturbed because yeah that is he was in shameless yes so i was like I'm pretty sure he's going to be too old for this girl. So, yeah, Luke Tittensaw. Um, I think he's like a twin with like Elliot Tittensaw as well. But he was born in 1989. So he's definitely like... He's older like, than me. Yeah, he's definitely too old for this girl. What is going on? Did the people understand the dog? No. No. Because there's a scene where she, the there dog is, is chatting scene, yeah. her in the bedroom and she understands what he's saying. I, I mean, yeah. It, it, it could be like Ghost, where, like, no, sorry, not, I'm thinking of the wrong film. It could be like The Sixth Sense, where first time you watch it through, sorry, there's, you know, spoilers for a film in the 90s, I guess. <gasps> Patsy was dead uh, the whole time. Yeah. Is he dead, um, dog? Is that, is that, where, where you've got the scene with the anniversary <laughs> dinner, right? You assume that, um, that she's mad and she's talking to him and that they're having a conversation. Um, but actually they're not, and they're just, you know, doing their separate things. It could just be, you know, Mo- Molly was sort of looking at this dog that's brought in a bag of clothes. Is that, for goodness sake, what are you doing? All right, fine, I'll put them back in the wardrobe. And then she says something as he walks off, and then he comes back at the right time, and that would be enough for her to react to him, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what happened. So <laughs> I, I think in, in the, the beginning of the film... Funny. It's actually, it's not a period piece. They were actually filming a film in the 20s. That's when the real Pudsy died, when he caused the accident and all the things falling, something fell on him and killed him. Then he's a ghost dog, and we're just seeing the next important interaction he had in 2014. So what what you're saying is that him him moving from the the, the set and then going outside, which is when it turned into fella... Took about 80 years, yeah. But was it that, or was it just the beginning of a fever dream? And that explains, like, literally everything else. Like, it's his dying dream. Um, <gasps> Maybe. He dreams of a better life because Pudsy yeah. famously had an awful life. The thing that, like, offended me about that opening, though, is that, like, it was a rip-off of the artist. I was like, how dare you, like, parody, like, this Oscar-winning film? Like, because they were like, oh, what's, like, a film with a good dog performance? Oh, the artist. And I was like, no, that's, like, win an Oscar, man. Also, disclaimer to Lucy's last comment, obviously, as the person who, as the person who knows... Ashley uh, knows the re- uh, knows the relationship and the training regimen of that dog. I can one hundred percent say that the dog was treated well. <laughs> no, I disagree. Right, fine. That's your opinion. That is your opinion. There are rumours he was a diva on set. <laughs> he was addicted to meth, apparently. <laughs> I heard he killed one of his co-stars. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you don't hear about Lassie now, do you? David Walliams is one of the worst people on the planet for this. And I honestly will not rest until he's been brought to justice. He speaks very highly of you, Lucy. 
I <laughs> honestly, I like he's done like years and years and years of like blackface, transphobia, homophobia, just like casual queer face himself. This is arguably the worst thing he's ever done. He could literally, <laughs> I could watch him like peel someone's face off whilst they were alive, put it on himself and then do a little dance in front of the screaming faceless person. And I'd be like, no, that's not that bad. You did Pudsey. You were the voice of Pudsley. Pudsley? Pudsey. I'd be interested in Craig's opinion on this, but I was surprised that a dog about a Britain's Got Talent winner has nothing to do with either Britain's Got Talent, talent shows, contests, anything like that. I would have thought, considering the Postman Pat movie, like had some sort of like singing competition in it, I thought this would be the easy film for them to be like, yeah, let's have like a dog show. Let's have Simon Cowell turn up and say like, I want that dog or something you know, have some reasons for him to go over obstacles. No, and it's like set it in the farm and like make it like a babe ripoff for some reason. I kept thinking of Babe when I was watching it because I was like, Babe is a really good film. Like Babe yeah. stands up still and it's essentially the same idea. So it's like they just saw Babe and were like, what if we did that? But with yeah. this dog and really shit. Yeah, this and that's, it. that's the whole thing. Babe, if it had no character, terrible writing, and maybe want to throw a brick through my television. That's what this film is. It's just Babe, but completely terrible. And, oh, my God, like, you know, watching this was like watching an extended YouTube advert. Like, I just really wanted to skip. Like, I just wanted, I was thinking, like, when's the skip button going to come? Because I'm, I'm just painful. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah, that, that, that was the thing with the advert thing. As, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's like it was just an advert for, like, Pudsy dancing. It was like, also a shit version a shit version of Babe, but then also like, you know, you had Elvis Presley doing lots of films that were just him showing off his songs and the Beatles doing films with the same thing. And it was like that, but a dog that can dance. Okay. It's not even that impressive. Yeah, the dance, like, uh, I don't know how you were beat by this, Craig. The dancing isn't yeah. gr- good. It's the same, it stands on its hind legs. My cat does that. Can I win Britain's Got Talent? Can I get a film? If I hold some ham above the cat and do this, the cat dances. Can I be like Simon Cowell's best friend now? It's ridiculous. It really, it honestly infuriated me. Like, I'm not even joking now because <laughs> I know so many really wonderful, talented people who could, like, with a budget of, like, 10K, make a beautiful, very funny film. This film, the budget was ridiculous. No one has any talent. And just because this dog was on the telly, they're like, oh, yeah, the plebs will f***ing eat this up. And if they don't, they snot-nosed little brats will. And we what, did! What? We did! They made loads of money off it! And the dog's, like, living the best life. No, it's not now. It's dead, thank God. I would like to say that the, the the job of a very good film, you can tell when a good film has been done because it creates emotion in the people that watch it. And I would like to say, as a result of, of the comments here, I, I think it has done its job successfully. It has created more emotion and it doesn't make any difference whether it's good emotion or, or bad emotion, you know, as long as it creates emotion. And I think it's it's definitely done that. Andy Kaufman would be proud. I think it's time to uh, give 
Craig his moment. Craig, if if you just give us your overall thoughts first, and uh, then we'll tease people. We'll go to a question after one of the audience questions, so we can go back to your rant just to just keep people waiting a bit longer. So, what's your overall thoughts on Pudsey the dog, the movie? So you just want my very quick opinion of this film? Yeah, <laughs> it's in my top five worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> to be continued <laughs> right so uh yeah we'll take a break there and go to a uh, question from one of our previous guests right so we'll go to our good friend Stephen jones on uh, our next uh question uh who has joined us many times before talking about uh, also equally bad films for children in uh, disney channel movies uh he also uh, joined us talking about Disney World Rides. So uh, his general question, and I'm going to throw this to one or two of the guests, is if you could delete an actor from existence, who would it be and why? <laughs> if you could delete an actor from existence, who would it be and why? I think Lucy definitely would have one. Lucy, if you could delete if you could delete an actor from existence, who would it be and why? Just the one? Yes. <laughs> There's loads. I think, I think... Honestly, get rid of Hollywood altogether. I think they've all become too powerful and egocentric. And I think we should just like, just, I think the world would be a better place if we just went on the street, grabbed a random woman. Oh, Shirley, lovely. You're famous now. And just did that like once a month. Craig? Uh, James Corden. I'm surprised. Oh, oh, that's a good one. He ruined Ocean's I wouldn't call him an actor because that was an insult to actors. <laughs> yes, but you can't deny he's been employed as one often enough. I, I want him to never appear in film again. That's a good point, yeah. But, yeah. I, but I, also I, I get rid of his previous work because he's bad at it. Only the scenes he's been in. Like I think Ocean, I think Ocean's 8 is a great film until he showed up. I, um, I forget every time that he's in it. And then you get to that scene and I'm like, oh no, no, no! And literally, like, David says to me, oh, it's a shame that James Corden ruined that movie. I was like, he didn't ruin the movie. He just happened to make the ending, like, a little bit shit. He hasn't ruined the movie at all. Stop with that negative aspect. I hope he's not in the next one. But also just, I hate the fact that in the upcoming, like, an upcoming Cinderella film, uh, the three mice they turn into horsemen are James A. Caster, Ramesh Ranganathan, and James Corden. And they're giving loads of the screen time from like what I've seen in the trailer to James Corden when you have two fantastic comedians who would be who I'm almost certain they're gonna give great performances because they are just so beautifully weird and downcast. And you're giving all the attention to this idiot who's just shown up. Just get rid of him. And cats, let's not forget cats, where literally he plays a character whose entire thing is about being fat and gluttonous and lazy. And the moment somebody calls him out and he just turns around and is like, stop body shaming me. I'm like, shut up, you moron. Yeah, he played that very gay as well. It's the same problem I have with David Williams. Like, you're straight. Stop, like, what's the word? Co-opting queer culture and like camping it up for comedy. It's like, this is my lived experience. Stop putting a voice on to be like, wouldn't it be funny if I talk like this? And it's like, that's how I speak talk. So I, I think this is a good time to ask this question based off the conversation we just had. But Dan and Joe from the Dan and Joe Film Show want to know, we want to go right to the beginning and know how Dave and Craig first met and what were your first initial impressions of each other, Craig? <laughs> well, we would have first met in primary school where I don't remember any of this, but David apparently said I hit him, which I think is probably <laughs> a, a good sort of precursor to how the remainder of our friendship actually just continued. 
my like my first actual memory of David is just it was in uh, high school together. We had just selected our um our GCSEs. Uh, David came up to me and just said, "Craig, just to check, uh, you're doing performing arts, right? Yeah, cool. So am I. I'm just scouting out who they're." And in our first lesson. They didn't really tell us to do anything because, you know, the teaching of Brinkaladog was high standard. Uh, and then basically, because we had nothing to do, David and I just sat in the uh, sat in the corner talking about Harry Hill's TV bit. <laughs> and uh, just since then, just the weird conversations have continued. That that yeah, that's that's that is the one which I remember. But to go even further back, because it wasn't even primary school, Craig, which uh, you hit me, <laughs> you hit me. It was uh, like nursery, and we were like, it was like back in the day where Power Rangers was a big thing, and everyone was playing Power Rangers. But Craig played it like properly, so he actually punched you. <laughs> so I had to like go tell one of the like minders that like <laughs> Craig had like hit me. Also, then when we went to primary school. Uh, me and this other guy went up to Craig and sang Craig McDonald has a farm, at which point somebody who somebody who's friends with his sister decided to grab me and just hold me down like to the ground. And then the guy who I sung it with just ran away like a complete coward and left me. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that anonymous person. But uh, yeah, like very, very the moral of the story here, kids, is that <laughs> watch it. Don't cross. Don't cross Craig. To go back then, Craig, as if we didn't build you up enough, we we brought James Corden into the mix as well. So yeah, what what are <laughs> what are some of your uh, reactions to Pudsey the Dog the movie? Okay, to try and group some of these four together, the, the the casting of this film hurts me on so many levels. Uh, I echo everything that Lucy said about David Williams. He stands for a lot of things I also just don't stand for. Also, he literally says the phrase "milady" in this film. And I'm just like, oh my God, if I didn't hate you, all right. Like now you're just going to bring in the sort of like uh, Trilby tipping sort of commentary into this. But also just the way he does the voice is just so damn insulting. And the fact that he has to have some form of commentary on like everything, it just made Pudsey insufferable. To comment on the rest of the cast then, like... <laughs> Not only did they get Olivia Coleman to be Nelly the horse, but the other vo- the other horse is voiced by Peter Serafinowicz, who's a great comedian, who's a great comedian, but also the original voice of Darth Maul. What the hell are you doing here? Like, what are you doing? And they basically just told him to just give the most undignified performance of his life, uh, which was just hard to see. Um, they also have a... Ki- uh, the best performance in the film, though. <laughs> that's, like, that's I mean, like, my, my, I think the best aspect of the film for me is right at the end where those two horses are standing in the field and the other one nudges the other one sort of, like, playfully. I'm just like, oh, that's nice, two horses getting along. Wait, that couldn't have been taught to them. They're just getting, they're just getting on. God damn it. Also, the dog catcher is played by a fantastic uh, by a fantastic physical sketch comedian, uh, Jim Tavari. Uh, David and I would have known him uh, years ago from his work on the sketch show. Um, they waste him. They just waste him. Like, what does he do for most of his appearance? He just sits in a room with a model train set and eats the trees. Like, what are you doing? You're a dog catcher, and you've. All you do is throw some toy sausages into a van. Like, how is that in any way dog? Like, they just waste him. And then also, to go back to slightly, in terms of casting, about why isn't this film about, like, just the talent agency, with uh, like, the talent contest, etc. with this dog. One thing I also think is slightly insulting is the fact that, for a while, I thought, hang on, Ashley isn't in this film, a.k.a. the other half of Ashley and Pudsey. 
except she is. She's the voice of a cow who has one line. The cow is milked, and literally, I timed perfectly when the milk splatter was going to happen on the girl's face. Really dodgy imagery there, guys. Why on earth did you do that? And then I just heard her give the line, I'm just like, I now understand why Ashley isn't in more of this film. Like, you're a great person, Ashley. You cannot act. No wonder they only gave you the one line. Uh, so yeah, the casting hurt me. Then just like, then just like a lot of, uh, like the actual lot of the performances, like Chris, I absolutely love your line about like the wood, the acting was so wooden. Also just the scenario was happening. They're just bullying this girl being like, nah, I'm not going to ask you out on a date. Uh, the brother then says something to basically call him out and he says, you got something to say? He just said it. Like, what are you doing? He just said his issue with you. And then, as you said, the dog pushes him over. Not very, not very like hard push as well. And the, the guys just sort of like run off. Okay, I'm surprised nobody has mentioned the mentioned the poodle scene yet. Cause what 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 the hell? Like, cause I know it was briefly mentioned, but just that was horrifying. Okay, I need to talk about the pig now. Uh, that that pig. I I wasn't joking before the episode when I said there was a, an awful uh, amount of shit jokes. Not like bad jokes, because there are those as well, but actual just jokes about shitting. Because this pig who thinks he's a chicken keeps thinking he's going to lay an egg instead of just having like a massive duke. Uh, you see them quite a few times. Like the first time they mention it, it just comes splat out in a really disgusting scene. But the one that really got me in really horrific circumstance was just the one where it's just piled up and he's like, I'm going to sit on this egg, sits down on it and you hear, Pow! and he's like, this is awful! Why have you done this? I just, that just went uh, too far for me. Also just, I think that as much as this is a film for kids, I think that there's a lot of children's media out there. There's a lot of children's media out there which is actually made with like quality. And seeing like some of the ways in which physics works in this world with some of the pratfalls. So like the way that like someone gets hit and then just flies in an awkward angle. Like I think where, uh, I think, what what's Kelly, what the, what's the girl's name? Are you on about when she gets kicked by the horse? Yeah, by kicked by the horse. Oh, so Molly. Yeah. Molly, yeah. That would have killed her. She'd be dead. Yeah, that should have killed her. Also, note how she was facing the horse and then goes flying, not facing the horse. To that, to that point, do you know at the end when the, when, when Pudsy pushes Tim, Tommy out of the way and then yeah. he's practically dead, she got kicked <laughs> by a freaking horse. Yeah. And it was all the next, she's had tissue up her nose. I'm that boy got Hold on, hold on. Can, can I just interject you? You're on about she would be dead if she was kicked by a horse, but we're talking about a film with talking dogs. It's not a talking dog, a talking dog, technically. It, it, we're hearing a dog's inner monologue. Suspension of reality here. I mean, I... I... I gave up on that when I saw some of the animations of this film, because Jesus Christ, I could do some of uh, some better animations than like PowerPoint, like the, the 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 angel and the devil, where they were definitely bringing in more of David Williams' queer coding uh, for like the good angel. Like, f off with that shit. I'm sorry. Also, just can we talk about the man dressed as a sausage in the dream? Oh my freaking Christ! <laughs> we just have that more in in podcasts and films. Can we please talk about the man dressed as a sausage? <laughs> like, what are I we was watching? Genuinely losing the plot at this point. And then obviously, like they kept flashing it. Uh, they flashed it back slightly, and then we had the John. Like one joke I did like is when is when the the builders are starting to go and demolish. Oh yeah, why if you're a landlord do you rent out a farm? 
only then to later be like, I'm going to destroy this farm with my residents still living there. But I'm going to I'm going to make sure I'm going to. He didn't rent it out. He was the landlord. It did yeah. say at the beginning that he was the landlord. and the farm yeah, He was, was the landlord, but his his brother, oh, it was his brother in the end. Wasn't it? His oh, yeah. brother, it was his brother's house and his brother was the one that lent, rented it out. I mean, but either way, it's just legally nonsense, right? I mean, if he if he was just able to bulldoze the farm and the cottage and that and there and thereby get planning permission and not like be put in prison for criminal damage, then he would have done that earlier. Like yeah. the fact that he thinks he can just turn around and do it now, and it's too late, brother. You know, I can't do anything now. No, we're going to go get the police. And then you're going to rebuild this cottage from the ground. Yeah. Also, it's just the dumbest plan ever because there's usually that idea of like, I'm going to build this thing on this historic place or, you know, even like Hot Fuzz, which is like, oh, we want to like p- keep the perfection of the town and everything like that. This, they're in like idyllic, like village countryside town and he wants to build a giant shopping mall. Who's going to go there? It's a tiny town, like in the middle of nowhere. It, it's got ample parking space. Yeah. For who? <laughs> I will say that probably John Sessions who plays Thorne was probably my favourite bit just because at least his performance was saving it a bit because the script wasn't helping him but he at least performed the lines with finesse sometimes of like then I'll punch it in the face when he says there's a giant wasp in the house and when like the script is so bad when he's saying like I even hate things associated with dogs like dogfish and I'm like there's so many things associated with dogs you could have said that were better than that dog when he said dogma I was like yeah the only thing I'll give them credit for is maybe, like, the bark on trees. But again, I think you would need a very specific, like, Noel fielding kind of, like, Mighty Boosh sort of humour to have that. If the bark on trees bothered him, why on earth are you living in the middle of the countryside? Also, look uh, at the way he's dressed. He loves dogs. He uses them for fox hunting all the time. The mentalist. The last thing I'll say, because I feel like this is this is... This has to be a personal defence to something that Lucy said about how how did this dog beat us? So the thing that really annoys me about this film specifically as well, and this is like, I think the really personal element of it is that I genuinely think that if you actually watch a lot of the performances of Ashley and Pudsey, I think that they are, I think they are talented, but the thing is Ashley currently performs with another dog, with another dog. She's a, she's a fantastic trainer. Why? She just switched out the dog. She just (laughs) buried that dog and moved on. I respect it. Get that bread, get that head and leave, girl. Cool, you fi- you finally find something to respect Ashley for. This is progress. Here's the thing. There's so much that the dog can do that the film just doesn't utilise. You're right. All they do is have the dog on the hind legs just like, just like spin about a little bit. It makes it look pathetic. Genuinely makes it look pathetic. And it makes me look more pathetic by comparison. Because Lucy's right. If that is all the dog can do, and if that's all the generation of children is taught to show that that is what the dog can do, then yeah, why is it that 133 choir boys singing their hearts out? Why is it not an opera duo? Why is it that that an, an Irish guy with a guitar singing about a girl he wants to get back with? Why is it the various dance troops? Why is it that, like, Mr. Probs with Where's My Keys, Where's My Phone lost to this damn thing? Craig, I, I, Craig, I think it's because the British public liked them better. No, I'm not denying that. What I'm saying is the film should have shown that. The film should have done more than literally just, like, 
Just having David Williams commentating of, look what I could do. Sausages, sausages. Yes, I think what you've done is you've taken something beautiful like a rose and you've pulled it apart. You've nitpicked it and, and there's no more rose left because you've looked at it so closely. If you look at it as an overall thing and aimed at children, then, you know... You... It still sets. No, I think you're being disrespectful. Loads of Disney films want to be aimed at children, and they and they put in aspects to basically still keep like a like a quality story. Like I've even watched like Sesame Street movies where they try and basically do the element of like directly for children much better, and they trying to do like more imaginative imaginative things and get like put more heart and soul into the performance. Like this is just soulless. Like I would not show my kids something something that is just so. Blatantly just meant as a cash grab. I would rather show them something that, like, yes, is meant for kids, but has so much heart put into it, like, the age range shouldn't necessarily, like, matter for that. Like, ugh. We'll go back to just some questions now, just a, f- a final break before we go to our final thoughts on the film and uh, the movie Vault, which should be very interesting. So I'll go to a silly question based on what we were just talking about. Our good friend Tom Gapper, also known as the comic book Shogun from Capes, Cows and Masks, asks Pudsy the dog versus Pudsy the bear in a steel cage match. Who wins? Pudsy the bear. He batters the little bear. Yeah. Are we going back? Were we mentioning bears earlier on? Yeah, Mr. Bear. Maybe that's Pudsy the bear. Maybe that's like it was a secret thing. Maybe he was like, Mr. Bear is a a hairy gay man. I think he means that. I think it depends on, I mean, we've already seen the strength that Pudsy the dog can have at tackling people. Like he basically borderline hospitalizes a child in this film. I think if he's able to do that sort of push on like Pudsy's, uh, Pudsy the bear's blind side because of his eye, he might have the chance. Otherwise, Pudsy the bear all the way. Pudsy is. Oh my God, I'm thinking of Paddington. Pudsy's the charity bear and he's the yellow one. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, I, um, I actually think... Is, is Pudsy the Bear even, like, anthropomorphic? Like, it, I've never seen him actually, like, move. I, know, I was going to say, is it a man in a costume, or is it, like... Yeah, a... It's Pudsy the Bear. Children in need. Sorry, yeah. 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 Sorry. Paul there showing great fortitude as a children's entertainer. <laughs> I will entertain the children not in need. I'm joking. <laughs> Paul Cornish... Entertainer who raised money for children in need, you know, five years ago or something like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Probably must have happened at some point, Paul. He's either going to do one of two things. He's either going to avenge all of the children out there for having for the <laughs> film being, or he's just going to just throw himself off the cage to get away from that stupid talking bastard dog. <laughs> this just seems like we talked about Harry Hill's TV burp earlier. This is just one of those fights. <laughs> See, that. I think I, we're I, all I, overlooking the fact Pudsy the bear has the eye covering thing. We're all assuming it's from some sort of illness. I think it was from a previous cage match and I think he's a very experienced <laughs> fighter. <laughs> I, oh, um, twist, it was the dog that did it. I took his name and his eye. <laughs> oh. So this is the second this is the second children's character that we've changed the meta of. Because first we've changed the meta of Barney the Dinosaur to have it actually be me in weird confusing circumstances. Now we're changing Pudsy the Bear from Children in Need to be this veteran cage match fighter that wants revenge against the dog. 
that could also feasibly be me. To go on to uh, some more questions, uh, going back to Steve's question, he had a general one earlier about uh, deleting actors from existence, but he has specific ones for me and Craig. So the question for Craig is, Craig, do you have a favorite list of movies? And if so, would they be called or would that be called? Don't you dare. Would that be called Craigslist? God damn it. Or for Americans, Craigslist. It certainly wouldn't be called Craigslist because like I'm better than that. <laughs> Seriously, where do Americans get this pronunciation from? Like what actually happened? They can say Greg perfectly fine. So they must understand that there is a difference in spelling between Greg and Craig. No, I don't have that list. If I did, it would just be a boringly titled, like, my favourite movies, because, let's face it, I've burnt out all my creativity just being an angry bastard. Just, I don't know. Uh, so, Steve's question for me is, my favourite actor or actress that share my first name? Um, I, I know we're in quite a modern world, but I don't know many actresses called David. But as we were talking about the Suicide Squad earlier, I thought uh, David Das Malchian. Uh, would be a good shout, you know, especially just for that performance, just that scene in the newer Suicide Squad film where uh, Idris Elba says, oh, we're all going to die. And then he just turns like, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) He just warms that so beautifully. And just, he's also in Ant-Man and he plays that like Russian, so like con man that like works with them. So yeah, he's got great range. He's a great guy. So also some random trivia. We go back to Tom, uh, the comic book show again. Uh, Stanley Kubrick would reportedly call Stephen King at 3 a.m. to ask him questions about The Shining. According to King, one famous exchange had the director ask him, do you believe in God? When he replied in the affirmative, Kubrick yelled, I knew it, and slammed down the phone. So, uh, yeah, a lot of coincidences here. We're talking- so why does he have these phone calls at 3 a.m. and then just ignore everything that happened in the book The Shining? <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, like, was he just like... This is why I'm doing this better than your book or something like that. Back to Pudsey the Dog the movie then. So to wrap it up, let's give our final thoughts. Paul, start off on a positive note. <laughs> You're here to p- defend Pudsey, I assume, or I don't know. Yeah, this, yeah this, no, yeah. I am. I, I think you've all been very, very harsh on him. <laughs> um, you know, and, and respect for the dead. <laughs> there was a lot of hard work gone in it, into it. Uh, and I do think, like a rose, you've, you've pulled it all apart, and and it's it's aimed at children, and and it's the wrong demographic. I mean, you wouldn't get a, a um, you know, you wouldn't get a judge or, or whatever commenting on play school. Paul, would you put this in the movie vault? Do you think it deserves a place for any reason? Yes, John Sessions, <laughs> because. It could piss Craig off. (laughs) (laughs) And Lucy. So, yeah, just on that basis, even if it was absolutely not very good, just to piss Lucy and Craig off, I would give it an Oscar. I would love to see that in the future. We need to get, like, the film God's voice in there, like, a thousand years from now. Like, why is this dog film in here? To piss off Craig and Lucy. Like, who are they? Who are these people? Uh, Ed, what are your final thoughts? I, I, I think the, the, the opening scene of Budsy, like, the first line we hear from him is him just going, this is so boring. And then that scene ends with him inadvertently destroying the film set. And just destroying everything around him. Kind of useful foreshadowing for the entire film, really. Chris? I trained and spent lots of money to become an actor. And the industry is tough and it's hard. And it's difficult to get to get uh, recognition. And there's some very good actors in this film. And a lot of them didn't give a crap. 
And the fact that I also know that there are many very talented filmmakers out there that can't even get a budget to make a film. And yet this got made out on a budget of 2.5 million. It, it hurts me. This film physically hurts me. I The acting was terrible. The film felt like it was being made up as they went along. Like I said it earlier, it felt like a YouTube advert that just kept going on that I just didn't press skip to. And that's not a compliment because I hate YouTube adverts more than anything in this universe, apart from, you know, actual real things that are terrible. But this film sucked. It was awful. And and again, David Walliams, I, I had a teacher that said he just, oh, he hated David Walliams. And I was like, I never really watched much of David Walliams stuff. But my God, he's terrible. Mm. He's absolutely dreadful. And the only thing that would have made this film worse is if he was dressed like the dog. <laughs> that that would be ter- that terrifying. Like, no, that, just, that, that, that could have actually saved the film if we'd seen David Wallen just as a dog. We- I mean, we've already seen John Sessions dressed as a cat, so like, just you know, just yeah. normalize it a bit. Chris, I'm assuming you're on the on the basis of no for the movie vault. Then, God, God, no. Do you have a separate vault that has no air in it, so it can suffocate? Ed, I didn't go to you as well. What, what was your thoughts on the movie vault? I mean, I might just follow Paul and say, if it'll piss Craig, Lucy, and possibly also uh, piss off, then yeah, sure. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. That is the only possible reason I can think of. Hopefully we're not, uh, <laughs> it's not like a tied vote on that one. Uh, yeah, I think similar to what you were saying as well, Chris, I, I think when I was watching this, I was trying to think of like, okay, could you watch this as like a TV movie? Would you watch it like, you know, Christmas Day or what? No. And I was like, I can't think. Would you watch it like seven o'clock in the morning when they put like that kid's stuff on? I was like, no. And, you know, it's, I don't even think it's worthy of like straight to DVD because the script is so bad. There's so much like hammy acting. They have a lot of bad tropes. There's just no creativity in it at all. Even just the entire dance sequence where they have like the weird neon tube and like he's just there rolling around and all the different dogs. That has some like because when the horses were talking, I was actually, okay, actually, that looks quite convincing. You've done an okay job because it's not too hard an effect to do. But then when they go to the dogs in that like brightly lit quarry, it looks absolutely awful, like especially on Pudsey and like the Scottish uh, dogs. So that looks just terrible. Like you guys have mentioned before, there's some weird innuendo in this film but it kind of reminded me of I again of I don't know if you guys remember like you know when you used to get like music bands and like tv shows like Blue Peter and then every now and again for some reason they're like we're gonna do a story kind of like narrative over like three episodes or something and it's like presenters who don't act who shouldn't be acting doing some kind of like quest for the mythic gem this is what I would like put this peg in with in which you kind of go okay it's kind of this terrible thing that like these people shouldn't be doing but yeah for some reason this was actually produced by a movie studio so yeah it's just so so many weird things the only credit I'll give this, like I said, there is some funny lines, but also, Craig, there's a well. You know, we talk about the, you know, the film gods in a well. I was like, oh my god, there's a film with actual well in it. <laughs> That's the. It's a weird link that I was like, oh my god. After all this time, we've actually come across a film which is like in our fiftieth episode, which is this awful film that's been built up for so long, and it has a well in it. How weird! <laughs> Why is the well relevant? Because uh, we're called Well Good Movies, so we just had a joke in our promo of being like the film god is trapped in a well. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. It's sort of like our Rotten Tomatoes link, in that tomatoes technically have nothing to do with films. When we were brainstorming, I was like, well, what if we have like the phrase well, good movies, but the well is like the actual wishing well. 
Ha ha. And then we capitalized it. Not at all in any of our promotional, bar that one audio promo. Lucy, what's your thoughts on, uh, final thoughts on Pudsey and whether it should go in the movie vault? Oh, it absolutely should not. I appreciate what everyone said. I agree with some of you. I disagree with others. I think a lot of the people on this, if you look at their IMDb's, even the writer and director both have done very good things in the past. Like, I'm not even joking. These people do know what they're doing. I think this was just a cash grab. This was just like a, oh, it's a tax year or something. We need the money. I want a new villa in Spain. Like, that's all this film is about. It's just about the money. I doubt the budget was actually that much. Like, looking at it, it doesn't look like a £2 million film. I think there's probably money in someone's pocket somewhere. Am I allowed to say things like that? I'm just throwing shit out. They're all on <laughs> cocaine and they murdered a cat. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just terrible. It's it's honestly one of the worst films I've ever seen, and there's no redeeming feature. There's no redeeming quality. Nothing like quite often you watch bad films like um, The Room, and it's like it's it's pure camp because they earnestly tried to make a like blockbuster film and they just didn't, and it's bad but like fun. This isn't like that. They knew exactly what they were making. They knew it was shit, and they didn't care. And then they just slapped it like a sticker on it and sold it to the masses. And then they made money off it and they're having a fabulous time. The The good thing is, I think in 100 years, no one will care or talk about this film because films like this do not last the test of time. Very true. And uh, Craig, any final thoughts from yourself? Just checking. So if I say it should go in, it's free, free. But if I don't, it's full two, right? Yes. Right. This shouldn't take long. So out of respect for the dead. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, you don't know the rest of my argument yet. <laughs> I'm waiting. Look, I joked about this dog ruining my life, because it did. <laughs> and that's the crux of all of this, isn't it? Look, I've met the dog several times, so uh, because of the way that, uh, you know, not having dressing rooms for 133 uh, boys at the ITV studios kind of worked, uh, we basically uh, were in the canteen a lot of the uh, a lot of the time. We spent a lot of time with various acts from the show, including Ashley and Pudsey, like specifically the dog as well. Like we like we petted him. We just had lots of time talking with Ashley. Like I think they're both great. Obviously, I I joke about uh, them beating uh, beating us because it's the only way that I can weaken any of the impact of other people's more hurtful jokes. The thing is that like. Uh, Pudsey was a great uh, was a great dog, and it genuinely sickens me that this film basically portray him as basically nothing but a like food obsessed, like sausage hunting hound who just gets into like loads and loads of chaos, but only just gets like redeemed uh, for the idea of just being like you know slightly cute to the point that he can like push people in the right emotional direction. They still basically You're betray- talking about me. Like wow, <laughs> but also, also, uh, Ed pointed out the irony to me of wait. So he's meant to be like a street stray, but yet he still has a collar on that just says P- Pudsey. It's unclear why the film studio that he originally was working in would just give him a collar but no address. So it's just like, well, you work for us, but nobody owns you. So soz, soz dog. Yeah, I just. I'm obviously saying this should not go in the film vault, right? This is me trying to speak. This is me trying to speak calmly uh being composed but it's not going in 
Yeah, I think uh, Craig and Lucy did put it the best as well of just say, you know, like comparing it to The Room, it's not like notable of like bad movies and just again, like it's not representative of the dog. You know, you can't argue that, Paul. Craig has met the dog, okay? <laughs> so, Pudsy the dog, the movie, doesn't go into the movie vault, uh, but we've had hell of a fun time talking about it. You're making it. a mistake, you're making a mistake. <laughs> it says Paul as he's like carted off to a loony bin. <laughs> no. um, <laughs> He's in the ambulance alongside John Sessions, woof, just going woof. woof. <laughs> We've had fun talking about it. We're going to go through now just quickly some of our last questions. I'll throw some of these to specific people, uh, which we've had from viewers and uh, previous guests. So, Craig, of course, we'll get this one out of the way. Stefanos, of course. Uh, Stefanos Vlarkis, our good friend, has asked us, which one would you prefer? Watch your favorite film every day for the rest of your life or watch Phantom Thread once every Christmas day for the rest of your life? Oh, favorite film every single day. Next. <laughs> Another random question from Jake, uh, Jake Hart, who is also from uh, Capes, Cars and Masks, who has joined us for many comic book movie discussions. Uh, Craig, I'll give this one to you first. Have you ever had a spice dream? What's a spice dream? <laughs> Have you ever had a spice dream? Well, I d- no. A dream Is that a you've dream taken about Spice Girls? Lucy, have you had a Spice dream? I don't know. If it's a dream about Spice Girls, probably. If it's a dream whilst on the drug spice, definitely not. Okay, yeah, that's. I think he's talking. He's referencing Star Wars when Boba Fett is like, "This is no Spice Dream. I'm seeing the Empire or whatever." So that's what he's referring to, I think. But yeah, essentially drugs. So uh, I'll ask this one to Chris, uh, just because I know that again after the tenant conversations, uh, this is Jake's serious question. With studios focusing so much on IP and nostalgic franchises, what do you think needs to change from both studio? and audiences to allow brand new franchises to be successful um i think uh, what lucy said earlier about like we need to change hollywood hollywood is, is what where the big change needs to become we we need to nostalgia sells and nostalgia is not a bad thing and you know sometimes going back to certain things can work there's been proven many times that it can work but the problem is is that Hollywood and, and the entertainment industry in a whole find something and when they find it's working really well, they latch onto it like a like it's it like it needs it. You know, and be more open, try new things, you know, be willing to work with smaller companies, smaller independent groups, you know, be willing to try to take a risk on someone who will probably make a good film for so little money. You don't the, the problem is it's a measurement of millions if the budget is big surely it's a good film no a low budget film can be the best damn film that's ever made and that's that's a testament to it i think another problem is they don't they don't understand why certain things work so it's like yeah. a film that's like set in the 80s and it's like the 80s is a big important part of it but it's not the reason why people like it but they're like oh you love the 80s here's eight more films about the 80s yeah and then yeah. like one or two of them will do well for other different reasons. So, and they're like, well, people must still love the eighties. We just did bad those other times. And it's like, it's not the eight stop. Like it, it always baffles me when like really bad films are made for such big budgets, because obviously the people who are controlling the money don't understand film at all and don't understand what will actually work. I think a lot of Marvel stuff is like that. They've just lucked out. I don't think they purposely, you know, like the, the crapper films of Marvel that people yeah. still eat up and still make loads of money. I think, it, oh, they yeah. just lucked out. I don't think it was actually on like the producers knowing what people want. I think they were just yeah. very lucky. So Laura uh, Lyshen, who has joined us as well on uh, many of our Marvel episodes and talking about uh, Christmas films, etc. 
Uh, she is asked me and Craig, uh, but I'd also be interested in uh, some of our guests' opinions on this. Uh, if you had to pick one film to watch for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Ed, what would be the one film you would choose to watch for the rest of your life? Would it be Saw? <laughs> no, no, this is a difficult thing. Well, like I, I've got back back in my home because I'm, I'm at my parents now, but back in my home, it's like um, I've got like two proper like shelves full of from IKEA full of DVDs, and I think at least half of that is ones I consider to be really good. So there's quite a lot of Robin Williams's ones, which I think would be up there. So like, maybe something like Mrs. Doubtfire or something like Aladdin would be quite good we'll go to uh dan and joe's their second question so i think the first one uh, was from joe who asked about uh, our first impressions of each other when we met dan i think is behind this one has asked who has been our favorite and least favorite guest to have on the show brackets don't worry joe won't be offended <laughs> craig <laughs> good lord um god careful craig careful uh, favorite so hard because People have just given like enjoyment for different factors. Can I can I technically choose like a pair of guests because I think it's just the best experience I've had on uh, on this show. It'll yeah. be me and Shelley. It is you and Shelley. To say it, <laughs> I think the Valentine's episode specifically. Uh, there's just so much there, and I just have vivid memories of that end game. With the oh, just, you have the sick racks, but vividly the memory I remember is the uh, the end game where it's the uh, we finish each other's. Uh, game and the setup was it's turkey time you just said like something along the lines of, of whatever weird sort of shit you come up with from times lucy um and shelly was like well, it's either gonna be like i'm gonna give you a good basting or gobble gobble and in my head i was like oh my god the reaction's going to be great because the answer is gobble gobble and then <laughs> we played it and you just both screamed so loud we had to bleep it out Worth that it. was a fun episode it was great yeah Worst guess, I I, genu- I genuinely don't know. Screw it, because he set it up, Dan. You just just do it just because he set Joe up for it, so just get revenge in that way, isn't it? I, I can choose, like, a least favourite guest by all means. But if I was to go with one, and I'm going to say this because I know they'll take it in good jest, I'll just pick Stephen Jones because he had to make made us watch some Disney Channel sports movies, which are just god-awful. So, uh, Steve, you're in that. that. And I, w- I will say as well, Paul, I, I respect your like dedication to defending, uh, to defending films. Stephen takes it a step further. Like and just the way he will just insist that we should just put certain films in just d- spans past the episodes. I think he'll even comment on like our like various social media being like Eddie's million dollar cook offs should still be in the movie vault, and I'm like, dude, let it go already. So Tom, the comic book shogun, has also asked us, Craig, when you think of your fellow co-host, what movie do you associate with them, and why? Oh, do I be nice or do I go for a joke? <laughs> <laughs> oh the temptation yeah no i think i've burnt up all my creativity to actually be mean to david so i think i'm just going to pick one of david's favorite films which is kick-ass it's also one of the films he sort of introduced uh introduced to me and yeah there's just like a lot of fond associations with that film so i'm gonna say kick-ass fair, fair choice probably with craig ironically probably would be something like phantom thread but just because we had such a like time watching it like in which we both knew we were like equally hating the film as we watched it similar experience on the opposite end to room not a the room in which we both knew we were like loving that film but phantom thread is one of those in which we were just watching it and just looking at each other like oh we're not enjoying this kind of thing so probably that or something like cats um but our previous 
guess Niall has kind of taken over the ownership of like cats love slash hate. So it's hard not to think of cats in terms of Niall. So I'd probably say Phantom Thread maybe with Craig. Uh, so yeah, I think that is uh, all of our questions that we've had from everyone. So thank you very much uh, to all our previous guests for throwing us those questions. Uh, we now go to our final segment, which is our 50th episode, Endgame. We're in the Endgame Okay, end game time. So this is a game lovingly called Does the Dog Die? Basically, there are lots of dog films out there, and obviously one of the pressing questions that people have, because people are averse to seeing dogs die in comparison to humans, but they will happily just watch those die in droves. Basically, the idea is that somebody created an entire website called Does the Dog Die? where you can basically type in any film and people can answer the question whether or not the dog dies in the film. You can even get, like, uh, comments basically saying, like, uh, there's also se- several sections for, like, does animal abuse occur? Does this, does this happen? Does that happen? So what I've done is, thanks to David, who found to be two separate lists of 100 greatest dog movies. Uh, spoiler, Pudsy the dog, not on either of them. Basically, and I've taken uh, a section of those films and I've put them through doesthedogdie.com to see whether or not the dog dies in the films. So what's going to happen is this is, our, this is our first elimination challenge. So instead of all of you playing at the same time, we're going to go around each of you in order and you have to say whether or not the dog dies. If you get it right, you stay on for the next round. If you get it wrong, much like the dogs in these films, potentially, you also die metaphorically from this game. <laughs> you get put down. <laughs> so, for example... Finally. So, for example, if I said to David, David, your film is Pudsy the Dog the Movie, Does the Dog Die? No. And your answer would be? The dog indeed does not die. Uh, to clarify, when it says the dog, uh, it means like any dog. So it's not like the lead dog in the film. It's just any dog that happens to die. Also, they will count anything that suggests that a dog has died off screen. Obviously, it's going to be inevitable that dogs die off screen in films. But if there's a, like a specific reference, that is considered the dog dying. And also, as the final caveat, is even if the dog is revived, the dog is still considered having died in the film. Right? Okay. Are we ready to play, or do we have any questions? No, yeah, ready to play. So, cool. any, so they could walk past the dog graveyard that's completely immaterial to the main plot. If it is, if it is specified, uh, if it is specified that is a dog graveyard, I will say now just for the this pet cemetery or something. There uh, might be. This, it doesn't say there's a dead dog, and then it says a pet. But you know, it will. Only and are count- they dead then? Because they come back to life. Okay, if it's a dog coming back to life, it is considered having died. But if it's like they only walk past a, uh, a pet cemetery, that won't count. It's only a specific reference to a dog dying in some way. So, for example, even the uh, even mention uh, mentioning like the dog is going to be put down and then you never see the dog again, it is assumed that the dog is dead. Right. So you'd, you'd also, also need confirmation, confirmation in the film, film that the, the dog, dog doesn't die, die in that situation. So if they walk past the dog statue of a dog that died. No, that doesn't count. No. Like, but if they saw an explosion and like animals were in there, then that potentially Right, happened. okay. Yes, yeah. I, I think I've got it. Cool. So we'll go, uh, we'll go through this in alphabetical order uh, in terms of your first names. So the order will be Chris, 
Ed, Lucy, Paul. Okay. If you can hear my dog barking in the background, that's basically confirmation that my dog has not died. Um, okay. That is the correct and incorrect thing. <laughs> okay, Chris. Ready? So your first film is Homeward Bound. Does the dog die? No. And you are? Chris lives. Ed, your first film is Red Dog. Does the dog die? <sighs> never even heard of that film. Never mind seen it. So let's say yes. You are? Ed lives. Lucy, your film is the animated 101 Dalmatians. Does the dog die? No. Lucy is out. When the puppies are born, one of them, uh, one of them is borderline dead, but then is able to be revived. Oh, (laughs) I feel like that doesn't count because it wouldn't. It wasn't dead, but okay. Paul, your film is Eight Below. Does the dog die? Yes. I don't know. Don't go off me. (laughs) (laughs) I've not seen it. You're just trying to drag me down to your depths, aren't you? You're just trying to kill me off as well. Lucy's like, well, if I'm not in the game anymore, I'll just cause chaos. No. So you think that no dogs die in April? I said yes. Oh, I've said no. no. I've, I've, no, no, I've started, right. so I finished. I've Lucy, I don't know Lucy is a bad influence. I'm going to ask you directly. You could say yes or no, Paul. What did in you eight, say, Lucy? In... Oh, I swear. <laughs> Lucy, I'm going to do the opposite. Lucy, what did you say? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, you asked, can you rewind the tape before I say what I want to say? Because I want to say the opposite. What was the question again? In the film Eight Below, Does the Dog Die? No. Paul is out. Oh, oh see, Lucy, that's you. That is because you said yeah, you're a job. I'm not listening to you ever again. You're a bad. Well, no, you I can't because you're out of the game. Right. Can I go back in because I got it right? <laughs> no, this is swapsies. We're not a primary school. <laughs> I'm alive again. No, you're out. Go and stand in the corner of the playground. I've written down like 41 of these. I, I think this is going to end quite soon. I think I should be brought back for getting that one right, to be honest. No, don't worry. Fun. This is only a practice round. <laughs> now we're on to round two. Am I in this? Am I in round I gave you ample opportunity to go with your own opinion. You're just like, I'm going to listen to Lucy. No, but then he went with the opposite because yeah. I said yes, and then he was wrong. So you you're only doing that because you didn't like Pudsey. This is an important lesson about autonomy. You were given ample opportunity to make your own informed decision. You did not do so, therefore you pay the consequences. All right, Chris, your next film, The Fox and the Hound. Does the dog die? I know this. Yes. As well. <sighs> No, it doesn't. Oh. oh, I thought he had his mate. I thought, oh, no, he doesn't. It's just hurt. I, I've known two in a row now. Right. This is unfair. Right, so, so here's what's going to happen. Ed needs to get this right. Jack, okay. If he gets it right, Lucy's back in because she's got two others right. No, <laughs> no you can't. No. Bring them all back. Right, no, no. 
no, seriously, if Ed gets this wrong, everyone is back in. Because we need to have a defeat. Actually, no, it's only Chris and Ed who's back in. Because uh, it's the... No, bring them all back. Go on. All right, fine, fine, fine. All dogs go to heaven. <laughs> right, Ed, your film uh, on this list is a dog's purpose. Does the dog die? Is it dog's purpose to die? I don't know. Uh, yes. You think the dog dies in the dog's purpose? Why not? I don't think that. That's what I'm saying. Ed is correct. Oh. And like that, uh, Ed is the winner of the end game. Of course. So <laughs> a dog's purpose is basically, uh, it's a dog that basically gets reincarnated throughout time. So it dies multiple times over <laughs> oh, God. Uh, to meet different generations of people to to basically help them. We're going into like the 101 but Dalmatians. It's not dead like... at the end. <laughs> no, no, it is dead at the end. Like it's oh, my whole life is dead. Yeah. Well, that's so kind of how life ends. It's a very kind of Marley and me kind of like, you know, this film was popular. Let's make like an even bigger tear jerking retriever movie. Um, they got loads of uh, flack, not flack, uh, genuine criticism for torturing the dogs on set. Yeah, didn't like they, it was like in a river or something like that, wasn't it? Like yeah. live dogs into a very fast flowing river. Yeah, in my research. Did the dogs the- die? Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this 50th episode. We've had loads of fun on this episode, uh, talking about Pudsy the Dog the movie, uh, talking about other bad movies that we've had experiences with, uh, dog movies, apparently, as well. And thank you to all of our guests. Thank you to everyone who give us questions and interest in trivia as well. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for uh, staying tuned for all this time, for listening to our uh, 50 episodes. We've got loads more fun stuff coming up along the way. I'm sure we will invite uh, Lucy and Shelley back for another chaotic either a Halloween or Valentine's special. We'll get Chris suffering some more uh, you know, 80s movies or uh, maybe a Christopher Nolan special or something like that. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm sure, I don't know, will Ed stick to just, he, so far he's had it quite tame. He had Disney, but are we going to go down the, the torture route? And what will Paul be defending next? What <laughs> will he be, will he be fighting for? I wasn't defending it, I was merely saying the truth. Next, next, next episode, Paul. Citizen Kane is terrible. You're the guardian of 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 well good movies. Have you seen it? It's black and white for a start. <laughs> they, they, they found a review that says it's shit and all. Like, how can you I know. I wrote review? it. <laughs> so, uh, guys, thank you for joining us. All, obviously, all of you have all got like fun stuff going on. Chris, where can we find yourself? What have you been getting up to? Uh, well, with the global bastard hopefully winding down. Uh, I will be, I'm getting back to work with uh, Dramatic Moose Productions. Uh, we're hoping to start um, planning things for 2022. You can find us on Facebook at Dramatic Moose and on Twitter at Dramatic Moose Productions. Um, but apart from that, mostly just uh, trying to watch as many good films as possible. In fact, uh, this coming Halloween, my partner and I are hoping to watch a horror movie every day for the month of October. Oh my so, God, that's uh, what we do. Yeah, we're, we want to try and watch some new ones, ones we haven't seen before, though. So that's going to be quite quite fun this year. You have to do some like one line summaries we can share on the socials or something. That'd be fun. I might, I might do actually. I might try and do like a running commentary. Uh, Ed, shall we look forward to your appearance on the End Game Champion of Champions? Uh, yeah, I think I'm not sure if it's like semi final or fourteen final, whatever you're yeah. doing for that. But uh, either way, I think I, I don't have anything else to plug. Like you can find me in real life. 
um, or on this podcast in the not too distant hopefully future. The pandemic has restricted you from going on any more quiz shows, so we need to rectify that. Yeah, there, there, yeah there's, there's, there's online quiz leagues for that that, that sort of thing. So I, I, you know, the, that, that, I, I, I can keep up to date with that, but otherwise, yeah, it's still real life. Uh, Lucy, where, where can we catch you? What have you been up to? What have you got coming up? Oh my God, what have I been up to? I've been sewing a lot. That's been um, Where can you catch me? How's your mum? How's your nan? You know, have you? Have you? Have I don't you speak seen... to my mum anymore, but I assume she's fine. Um, <laughs> my nan's good. She's doing well. She, oh, Netflix has signed right again, so I need to go over there and sort that out because she can't work it out. But um, yeah, other than that, not much. You can find me at my house mostly, and that's mm-hmm. nice or on twitter and i got tiktok i'm not i haven't done many lately i've got huge i've got several youtube videos on my computer saved ready that i just haven't edited i'm just being really lazy at the moment it's lush <laughs> okay well check out the stuff you've already got on youtube and uh yeah, yeah exactly well. if you want if you want some entertaining cross dressers go on youtube.com and search lucifer i think if you search lucifer queen i come up or lucifer wales or Lucifer Welsh, or Lucifer Cardiff. Just any of those, I'll come up. And you can just watch me being beautiful and funny. And uh, Paul, where can we catch you? Is there anything you've got coming up or you've been working uh, on? I got, I'm doing lots of private stuff. I've just done my drone PFCO, so uh, I'm a sort of qualified commercial drone pilot now, so I'm doing drone Ooh. things for people. I'm doing a lot of graphic work, and uh, I'm thinking of doing another squiz for um for halloween and of course drunken father christmas is coming along for um for for december which is going to be uh really fun it should be quite a different christmas greeting then for <laughs> yeah basically drawers, if anybody Claus, wants a christmas a greeting or anything I'll, I'll record it for 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 anybody we'll have a few recording sessions and they write in we did it last year Oh, can you record something for Dai down the club? Because he's a tosser. <laughs> um, so um, Santa will grab his bottle and go, Oh, Dai, hold on. Um, yeah, so that, that was quite fun last year. I made more money than that than talking to kids on a, on a telephone. Like, that sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'd love if the, well, I say this, the real Santa is if he is real. I'd just love if like that was an actual story in which Santa went, like, you know where the money is? drunk people not children and like all the kids are just there one christmas like where's the presents it's like sorry kids santa's found out that the real money the real money is in a uh, drunkards <laughs> uh, you can catch ourselves at well good movies on all the socials as well so you can catch us on twitter instagram and facebook at well good movies we're also on freshtakehub.com slash well good movies you can catch all of our previous episodes if you want to go check out all the 50 episodes uh, you can also catch our Endgame specials uh, in which uh, Lucy uh, somehow won as well. So you'll be there with Shelley in the Champion of Champions. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Come on, today you, you, were, you were the first out. <laughs> no, I, I dropped one ball in an opportune time. I don't think that should be held against That, that should be a chaotic one. So yeah, we'll have uh, Ed and uh, Lucy back for that. But uh, yeah, that'll be very fun. So keep an eye out for our future episodes. Anything lastly from yourself, Craig? cool you heard it here first so yeah thank you everyone thank you for listening we've got loads more on the way and uh yeah have a good day stay safe see you soon bye-bye
I can't believe you made me watch that film. <laughs> that was the biggest load of shite I've seen in my life.